Should hedge funds be banned from housing? Let's talk about the truth and who they're blaming as the scapegoat. Anton Stentner podcast number 41. Almost a year since we started. We started in the end of December. And thank you for all of your help with this. Wouldn't be here without you, bro. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm excited because it's a suiting what we're talking about. There's a lot of things going on in real estate, but the topic of the day is should hedge funds be banned from housing and will it cause a crash? I've seen so many headlines about Wall Street's not going to be allowed to own real estate or buy real estate. It's going to open up the market to buyers. Can you tell us what is going on yeah. and what your thoughts on what's actually going to happen? Yeah. So I think, you know, that's the question. Should hedge funds be allowed to own single family housing? And what is that done to single family housing? So we've got these these two acts, the Stop Wall Street Landlord Act, and we've got, uh, what's the other one? The End Hedge Fund Control of American Homes Act. And so, you know, these Congress people got together and then they proposed these bills. So in late October, three Democrats from California, Con Porter and... Takano uh, introduced the sh uh, Stop Wall Street. So the goal of this particular housing bill is to deter future institutional investments into single family housing. So that's the big argument here is that hedge funds have got a lot of money. They can go in, they can go buy whole neighborhoods. And in, the, in turn, by them purchasing properties, it's driving up the cost of rent. It's driving up the cost of housing. But really, I think we're just kind of using them as a scapegoat, and we'll get more uh, into that. So this one would be barring corporate investors from claiming the traditional tax breaks that we have in uh, housing. And it's also would prevent them from getting government-backed loans from like Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, Ginnie Mae. It uh, also set to give a tax credit for affordable housing developers and to rehab low-income areas. Totally love that part. But this idea of like barring hedge funds from purchasing housing. So has America in the past had a good track record of barring any financial thing from happening that made money? Yes or no? No. No. We've had never a had a good track record of the government doing really anything and helping people. <laughs> They're good for building freeways and uh, running, well, to a certain degree, our government. They don't have a good track record of doing mass prevention of something, okay? So in this case, keeping corporations out of housing. So I think at the very premise of this particular act, right from the beginning, you're slightly dead in the water. In other words, it's funny that this is being publicized and this is being put out when we're going into an election year, Mm. when interest rates are changing, when the economy's beat up, when inflation is really high. And so the average consumer's just feeling really pinched right now. Okay, the second one. The end hedge fund control of the American Homes Act of 2023. This was by a senator out of Oregon and a U.S. representative out of uh, our home state uh, here in Washington, Adam Smith. This one, they say th what they're going to do is they're going to ban hedge funds from owning these types of single-family assets, requiring them to sell 10% of their existing portfolio over a 10-year run to phase everything out. Then after that, completely banning them from from owning single-family housing. Okay, let's go through why this isn't going to work. One, 
you have a divided Congress. So you've got, you know, the House and the Senate, they're controlled by different parties. So trying to get bills passed when they're not controlled by both parties, that's hard. Two, the United States as a whole has a long history of doing very poorly at regulation. So the last thing that we really broke up was Ma Bell. What's that? That was when they when they broke up the telephone companies. Oh, okay, yeah. Remember, we ended up with GTE and AT&T because the telephone companies had a monopoly? Well, since then, you've seen Amazon get attacked. You've seen Microsoft get attacked. You've seen Facebook get attacked. Have any major monopolies been broken up since then? Not since the tech kind of... Uh, introduction. Yeah. So basically, we started trying to regulate the internet. Then they let the internet become the wild, wild west. And now they're bringing that regulation in. So they're doing the same thing again with AI. They're like, okay, what regulation should we introduce with it? This is why I look at this with a divided Congress and go, this is, it's just never happening. We don't have any pattern or history of preventing these things. Secondly, do our politicians make money in real estate? Yes or yes? Yes. Lynn, any thoughts? Are they making money in real estate? Absolutely. <laughs> so all of a sudden you've got the people who are making the laws, who are profiting from real estate, they're not gonna do anything to hamper their investments. And then do most of our politicians also invest in the stock market and into these hedge funds and into these ETFs that are playing in housing? Yes. Cool. So this is a simple follow the money. The lobbyists and special interest groups are going to basically prevent this. The politicians are currently lining their pockets with it and currently profiting from it. So this is a non-starter. Now, I want to flip it around. I actually would like to see Wall Street get out of Main Street single family housing. And I agree with that. The reason I want to jump in here is because that was my question. Doesn't this come from a place of desperation from the American people yes. because uh, Wall Street, corporations, foreign buyers weren't as much of an issue when it came to just buying your first home or a home in general. So you get all these people with tons of money and then it didn't help that there was so much stimulus, money printing, and then just really cheap money. Bingo. So nothing against the average home buyer, but you're, you're talking hedge funds. Their whole business is running numbers, having computers, have algorithms. So they're like hopping on to making deals left and right. And it's hard enough for the average person to compete against their neighbor for the, this upgrade home. So it, it comes from a place of, um, I think, important perspectives that need to be addressed because, and then there's a the flip side of it, limited supply. Yes. This is what's probably going to run up the prices again next year, which is a whole nother topic. So even though, yes, people's, you know, like politicians money is attached to some of these hedge funds. Yes. Um, it's a divided Congress. Don't you think this could be the beginning of massive change? Because my one pushback with you is even though I agree regulation isn't always successful, we have broken up you know, uh, monopolies before. Yes. And, you know, this is a weird side story, but even um, there used to be horrible pollution in California. And there is a justification that the California government regulating, what is it, carburetors or whatever, created less pollution. And then you go all the way back to the oil tycoon days, right? Where antitrust movements. Couldn't this happen? Because the difference between the tech people not being, you know, broken up and, 
this getting broken up is it's your home. People aren't even thinking about buying homes, even though you and I both know they should right now. They're thinking about renting, which would further make it worse. Because then guess what? The hedge funds, corporations, yeah. foreign buyers, investors will buy those homes. So let's let's crack this out for a second and kind of break this down. The reason it's so hard for a traditional buyer or even a small regular investor, because most investors are small. So when we blame the big bad hedge funds, we have to realize they only own 4% of all homes. And according to core logic, they purchased 22% of the homes in 2022. In 2023, hedge funds have been a net seller. They have not been a net buyer this year. Why? The reason a hedge fund can compete so much stronger than the average buyer is liquidity, capital, and their borrowing ability. So when an average consumer is borrowing money at 7%, that hedge fund can probably borrow at 5 or 6 well, the same thing applied when times were really good. So when times were really good and the average consumer was getting a loan at 4%, a hedge fund, a hedge fund was getting a loan at 3%. And then also, you know, let's just go pick on the big bad boy, BlackRock Invitation Homes. Invitation Homes, their model only promised a 5% return to their investors. And so it's arguable or you can see how they served a purpose during the great financial crisis, during the great recession to kind of prop up housing. But now some things have got to be done to limit that. So what would work to limit that? These bills are dead in the water. However, I agree with you again, this is the catalyst, this is the start. There is something coming. So what I think that, that they will do over time is they'll limit the amount of buying that can be done and they'll remove some of the tax breaks. So what if they just simply said, if you own more than a thousand homes, you no longer get the interest rate deduction, or you no longer get to depreciate the asset. That changes the economics of owning thousands and thousands of units. That would instantly happen. The other thing too, that we have to be really aware of, because see, I'm a small investor. Lynn, you're a small investor. Benji, you're a small investor. And one thing that we do that hedge funds and corporate America don't do is we don't kick people out as fast. We don't raise rents as fast. And we actually probably maintain our properties slightly better because we touch them more. And we probably have better communication with our tenants. See, the, the problem with these giant corporate landlords is they're so disconnected. There's so much there and they're driving for such returns, they're more likely to raise rates faster. So another way to deal with this same problem is what if you incentivized small investors and gave them more tax breaks or more benefits? Because once again, if it's like someone like the three of us, we care about Bob and Betty Smith that live in our house. Invitation Homes has never looked at a person. That's just house number 11,422. Lastly, because prices have gotten so high, because the Federal Reserve broke housing, because interest rates were so low for so long, and then we hit that massive inflation point, this is a scapegoat that is not dealing with the core problem. The core problem is a lack of supply of housing. Why do we have the lack of supply? Because during the Great Recession, we didn't build homes for four freaking years. And during that time frame, 
everything has become more expensive, both the material and the labor, but regulation, energy codes, development timelines, bureaucratic red tape over the last decade has done nothing but increase significantly. So we know here in the Seattle Metro that the new energy code is going to cost the average home 25 grand, and that's one change in code. So if you really wanna attack the housing problem, it's not just hedge funds. We gotta go back to the actual creation of inventory and the process for creating the inventory. Wall Street is not the scapegoat here. You wanna run for governor? No. <laughs> <laughs> I learned so much from what you just said. Number one, I didn't realize uh, Wall Street got some kind of discount because that does, doesn't sound American at all. I mean, I'm all about capitalism, but you know, when it comes to somebody's home and I, I'm not necessarily also for like the American dream is owning a home. I think it's like if you earn enough money and you can afford to buy, yeah, that's the American dream, but we're not going to give away money here. But at the same time, why make corporations like stronger in terms of their ability we to buy versus even, we can't even help it it's supply and demand so just it's literally this simple a corporation because they're going to go fund a thousand homes all at once 500 homes a hundred homes is going to get a discount because of the simple level of supply hey i'm going to give you a thousand mortgages all at once are you going to pay the same amount as the person who's taking out one mortgage no Conversely, you can go to a builder and you can say, hey, builder, you're going to make a minimum profit on these 100 homes. So let's say their average profit was $75,000 a home. Cool. You're going to sell them all to me all at once with less carrying costs, less marketing costs, less holding costs with a guaranteed buyer. How about you only take 40 grand a home as profit? That, unfortunately, this is... So I love capitalism, but this is capitalism running amok. Capitalism just simply needs guardrails on the freeway to prevent it from destroying the middle class. Because I am so pro-middle class and so pro-small business, that is my only caveat to that should, if it's killing small business, if it's killing the middle class, stop that, that piece of capitalism. This one isn't yet, but it will. And in some areas, see, we're blessed in the Seattle Metro, but you gotta realize there's places in North Carolina there's places in Texas, there's places in Alabama where they control 10% of the market. Our house values are too high here in the Seattle Metro for that to happen, okay? But we know like even right here, like uh, American Home Partners up there on the hill bought that 20 acre development and it's all, that's all hedge fund and that's all housing that's just for rent. And Invitation Homes is here in multiple neighborhoods. But my question for you, is they're using Wall Street as a scapegoat because it's easy to create that headline and it's like the big bad guy that yep. you know you can just make a villain. We know it's really lack of supply as well as that, right? Yes. It's a little bit of it's both. both. Absolutely. Um, I think that the underlying issue might be the government, right? Like not doing the right things or not having the balls to do the right things. What is the solution for people are listening? to this oh yeah investors yes, yes. Uh, both buyers and sellers what what needs to happen you kind of talked about how supply needs to go up but how can the average investor the average person help make it better i need more of you to build more homes plain and simple the small builder small developer so even if you're just flipping a home 
changing a neighborhood, making it better, that's helping. So one, build more homes, become the small builder, become the small developer. That helps with supply. Two, you've got to do what we do. You've got to get involved in politics, in your local community, at the county level, at the city level, and you've got to get involved in the zoning, in the long-term future planning, in the taxation, in the energy code, in the red tape, to try to limit that because I don't know what we need to do, but housing's going to keep coming up over the next decade as the hot topic that, I hate to say this, that could drive the country to a civil war if we don't deal with it. Why would I say that? Because housing is a fundamental basic need. And what we're doing is we're making housing so expensive that it's forcing people to not be able to have that basic fundamental need and right taken care of, both on the rent side and on the uh, purchase side. And the only way to, to do this is we've got to get involved in government and you have to change it locally. You've got to make it easier to build housing and you've got to be able to build housing more affordably. And we've got to create incentives for building the smaller housing, the more affordable housing, the sustainable housing. Because one of the things I hate here in our metro, like how many big box apartment buildings are you guys seeing coming up right now? A ton. Is there a lot? I don't know. Everywhere. Oh, okay. Thousands. So there's something in Washington right now, like 42,000 apartment units have been built over the last you know, 24 months. And I don't know if that number's correct. It's some huge number like that. And they're popping up all up and down the I-5 corridor. Okay, got it. I know what you're talking they're about. They're all near light rail. It's those stacks of 50, 100, And it 200. has all the amenities. Yes. You never have to leave. Yes. The nice ones have a Whole Foods downstairs, but you don't own it, right? You will own nothing and you will be happy. So that's not the solution is more apartments because once again, that doesn't preach to my heart. That doesn't preach to a strong middle class, strong small business and a strong local economy. Someone's getting rich, but the person getting rich there is to be honest is corporate America because not even small investors own those giant apartment buildings. It's almost always, you know, a large scale investment group or corporate America or, or a hedge fund. Okay, I got to I got to jump in. Yeah, because, please. Because we've got we've got the government that the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, but the middle class, we just what's the American dream? We want to own a home. And in Seattle Metro, we can't. Like it's so expensive. And then we have water on one side, mountains on the other, we're running out of land, and so everybody's getting pushed out and then you have to drive to Seattle to work. And, and, and you spend half of your life in a vehicle sitting in traffic what, and you're working so hard to have this American dream when it, and we are priced out of the market now, you know, my kids, uh, the, the likelihood of them being able to afford something in five years, unless they get an amazing job, which they probably will, and I will help them, but it's so difficult in this state. Yeah, I talk about this a lot, Lynn, to Anton, how you shouldn't have to be a millionaire or super wealthy or super successful yes. to own a home because that's not good for America. That's not good for our communities. And it is interesting. We've been doing this for a year now that uh, I can't believe one, how hard it is to afford a home and two, how hard it is to build a home. Yeah. Right. Because that's kind of the solution. Also, you're supposed to be able to make money. Any other thoughts? 
I, I like what Anton says about we have to get involved because if we're involved and we have a voice, then we can say, hey, county, hey, you know, building codes, you know, we need to be able to do X, Y, and Z, and it shouldn't cost us $40,000 to hook up to sewer. It shouldn't cost us $25,000 to run a 10 foot line for, for water. It's, you know, these, these, it's, it makes no sense. And how are we ever going to get to be in a homeownership status when all of these costs are just so, you know, crazy. And then you said something about government builds the freeways. Well, have you been on the freeway recently? (laughs) It's pothole after pothole after pothole. Yeah, you know? well, it definitely needs to be updated. I think <laughs> ROI-wise, though, the freeways are the most uh, lucrative thing they've ever built in America, I believe, other than the internet. But yeah, homes are way easier, actually, you know? The, you know, Lynn said we have saltwater on one side, we got the mountains on the other. The Puget Sound Regional Council voted to not expand the UGA. So the buildable land did not increase in Washington state at all. So no buildable land came into the UGAs in order to expand. So what does that mean for the cost of housing over the next five years? Is it gonna go up or is it gonna go down? Go up, it's gonna go up. It's gonna go up. And so are the houses. And so will the cost of the houses. And so will the price of everything. What's funny is there's not one solution to this giant problem. It's a myriad of solutions that are all semi-murky, but there has to be buildable land. There has to be a simpler process. There has to be less fees attached to it. There has to be homes that can be built affordably and sustainably. See, I'm a little tree hugger there too. So like you you got it. The energy efficiency of homes is important, especially as we create more electric vehicles. And then allowing these to happen and then creating incentives. I think there has to be some type of incentives to build smaller housing because when you look at builders as a whole, the average home in the United States in the 70s was like 800 square feet. The average home right now is like 1,800. Okay, so yes, our homes are getting bigger, but what also means we're not building enough of the small ones. So if we're not building enough of the small ones, then we're creating the renter nation because they, they got to be able to buy the first home to be able to move up into the next one. Okay, we've, we've beat this one to death. I want to move on to, to the video that you brought up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to do that, subscribe to this channel because we're going to record it separately. Yep. Um, and that should be coming out. But uh, leave comments below. We're curious in your area where you live, is this a problem or houses too expensive? How much do those cost versus how much they were 20 years ago? I'm curious. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Lynn. We'll see you next week too. Yeah.